Welcome along, Peter Mullen, Health and Wellbeing, another Tuesday. Here we go. And we're not going to do what we did last week, just rip up the script, are we? No, no, no. I thought we should follow a bit of the script today, at least. Otherwise, you'll go back to, to work and you'll get in trouble for the, the big bosses at work. <laughs> see, see, in uh, your work, it's got your name on the front door, but you ain't in charge. No, no. I've got someone very special in charge. <laughs> that's, that's the fun of being married, folks. Peter's not in charge. Look, uh, hypothyroidism and 10 signs that you may have it. Yeah, look, it's a, we've often talked about um, underactive thyroid on this show before. So um, today I thought we'd touch a bit more on something. It's not quite as common, but it's still very common um, as far as autoimmune conditions go, and that's overactive thyroid. Hyperthyroidism we'll get into in a sec, Peter. But you've been gallivanting all over the place again on another little little jaunt. Where, where have you been? Went to an international congress on natural medicine up at the Gold Coast for the long weekend. Oh, it's very nice of you. Yeah, it was Ni- fantastic. Nice work if you can get it. So what were some of the things that were, were talked about at the conference? Uh, well, look, it's, it's, a, it's a great weekend for us on a couple of reasons. Dana and I love catching up with um, other naturopaths that, you know, we're all at the same level and, you know, we have so much to discuss about business and, and just natural health, etc. So it's a great um, social catch-up. But um, they bring together international speakers from all around the world. And one of my favorite, or there's two of my favorites were there, um, an Indian guy called Sachin Panda. And Sachin Panda's from San Diego. And he's, he's a researcher that's done a lot of research about circadian rhythm and how we need to, you know, and talking about the, the effects of, you know, too much lighting in the house after dinner of a night time, blue light, even just lights turned on, that we need to turn those lights off if you want to have good sleep hygiene. And actually, we might do a whole show on sleep hygiene because good quality sleep is coming up as one of the major risk factors for a whole host of health conditions. We look and, forward and, to that. Well, I think, and I think one of the points, pointers he made is that people don't respect how important sleep is you know oftentimes we leave sleep to the last possible minute literally you know we think it's something that just has to happen but we don't really understand how critical it is for good health so we'll do a whole show on that so i had um so i had did a bit of an interview with sachin panda i had a bit of a dance with him as well so it was fantastic to meet (laughs) on the dance floor along with everyone else dancing as well i'm just waiting for the video (laughs) but um yeah and the other fellow that i love to see here um his name's jeffrey bland and he's sort of um he's like the father of integrative um medicine in the states and also in australia as well like he was at the forefront of you know, um, bringing science and naturopathy together and, you know, bringing us really out of the dark ages a little bit into more of a, the research-based, like bringing more evidence to what we do. So he's, he always, he's incredible, his history over the time and his concepts, and they're always cutting-edge stuff. So fantastic weekend all around and, you know, always come back a bit more inspired and yeah, excited. And with a bit of a tan too. Now, we just, <laughs> just want to follow up on something that uh, took place last week. We're talking about uh, flu vaccinations quickly. Yeah, yeah. Look, last week we were talking about um, cold and flu and cold and flu prevention. And we had a caller ring up to ask uh, my opinion about the flu vaccine. And I've thought about it since. And really, the best person to ask about your whether or not you should have a flu vaccine um, is your primary health care practitioner. So that might be your GP. Um, and the reason being, they're the ones that know your whole health history and whether or not there's a risk there for you um, that you know may may put you forward for having a flu vaccine. So yeah, best person to talk about that is your whoever's your primary healthcare 
practitioner, which is most times is your GP. Okay, so uh, this afternoon, hypothyroidism. But first, uh, Sue, uh, thank you for calling Sue Bonnells Bay. And your daughter's had an active thyroid removed, and you want to talk to Peter about that today. I have a daughter who was diagnosed with an overactive thyroid um, about six years ago. Yes. And she was called in maybe just six months after that and was um, told she should have surgery. So she's had her thyroid removed. Yep. Um, She's told that she has Graves' disease. Yes. And she's on uh, thyroxin. Yep. And I was just wondering what else she can take to improve her general health. Yeah, well, look, one, the, the theory is with, um, say, Graves' disease is it's an autoimmune condition. Thyroid gets attacked. Often the GPs or often the specialists will recommend medication for a period of time to try and bring it down. And then in severe cases now, they're, they're often not operating. They're often using radioactive iodine to sort of knock the thyroid out of the picture. And the end result of either option is that then that person has to go on thyroid medication for the rest of their life. So... What you want to make sure, so thyroid hormone is basically T4, and for T4 needs to get converted in the liver to T3. So she needs to make sure that she's taking or she's got adequate levels of zinc, also a mineral called selenium. Absolutely critical that her vitamin D levels are good, and I like to see vitamin D above 100. She needs to make sure that her iron status is also good. So these are all blood tests that she can get done with her GP or naturopath. And I would also recommend um, vitamin C and magnesium as well. So all of those nutrients are really vital for the conversion of that um, synthetic thyroid hormone to the active form of thyroid hormone so that you get a good response. Health and Wellbeing continuing. Peter Mullen is here as always on a Tuesday afternoon. And Peter, uh, in a general sense, what is hypothyroidism? Before we go there, oh, of course just, you to finish, <laughs> just to finish up with Sue from you Bonnells ruin, Bay. You ruin all my intros. I know, okay. I'm sorry about that. Um, Sue from Bonnells Bay. So the nutrients I recommend, it's a really good point. For thyroid hormone, even people taking thyroid hormone, you need to be nutrient replete for those thyroid hormones to actually work properly. Okay. Because so many of my patients have had thyroid surgery or had their they're on thyroid medication, but unless all your nutrient levels are good, unless your D is good, your iron's adequate, your zinc levels are good, you're not going to get the conversion and you're not going to feel better for taking the thyroid hormone. So often that can be a missing link for people taking thyroid medication is there's no point just taking the medication if you don't have everything else balanced. Mm, so you've got to so, get the, the entire picture. Absolutely. It's a jigsaw puzzle. And from a dietary point of view for Sue's daughter, we'll talk a bit more in a moment about the diet for hypothyroidism, which again is, you know, really root core to feeling better, sleep, exercise, stress, all those things that we always talk about. But we'll come back to that in a moment. So what, what actually is, is hypothyroidism? So hypothyroidism is basically an overactive thyroid where the thyroid produces too much thyroid hormone and it can you know can really rev up for all sorts of reasons but it, sometimes it can come on you bang you can be feeling fine and all of a sudden it just goes otherwise it can build up over a period of time um, so it can include symptoms like weight loss even and, and often with an increased appetite often people with graves disease or heading down that road of hyperthyroidism will have an enlarged thyroid so you'll often pick people in the street. They'll have like a bit of a swelling at the base of their 
um, just below in men, just below their Adam's apple, mm-hmm. but just above the collarbone in, in women. And it can be quite large as well. So it's called a, a goiter. Um, excessive sweating or people that say, oh, you know, it's getting hotter and hotter all the time or they're all of a sudden feeling heat where they never used to before. Increased in anxiety, muscle weakness, tremors and shaking. Um, a really disturbing symptom can be increased heart rate or palpitations where you've never had them before. Um, it can re- upset the whole cycle. Um, and you often get like you, um, so it's a funny symptom, but you often get the sense of bulging eyes, like particularly if it's been going on for a while or it's mm-hmm. not being treated, your, your eyes will actually look like they're, they're mm-hmm. popping out of your head, which is probably not an overattractive look, mm-hmm. but it's a sign that, you know, your thyroid is maybe under, under duress. So causes for, um, hyperthyroidism, the most common cause for hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism is Graves' disease. And Graves' disease is an anti, is an autoimmune condition. So for whatever reason, your immune system gets confused and starts to produce antibodies that are similar to TSH. So the antibodies cause the thyroid to produce more thyroid hormone and shuts down the whole feedback mechanism that should kick in. Um, so other triggers can cause... And the other thing that can happen, um, a lot of women through... Uh, when they're pregnant or just after pregnancy can go through uh, what's called a bit of a thyroid storm where their thyroid suddenly becomes overactive. Not always graves or autoimmune. It can be triggered um, by things like viruses, but often after pregnancy, women can go into a bit of an autoimmune thing as well. Hyperthyroidism often precedes that's not great. So you can have graves or you can have other causes, other causes of hyperthyroidism. Hyperthyroidism, overactive thyroid, can be the precursor to Hashimoto's. So you can go into the doctor thinking you've got an overactive thyroid, but you're actually headed down the path of an underactive thyroid. Okay. okay. So it's a little bit tricky to work out, but um, once you get clear, then it's much easier to do something about it. So stress, um, excess iodine in some people can cause an overactive thyroid. So how would we get excess iodine into our system? What's that coming from? Well, interestingly, a few years, quite a few years back, there was a soy milk that had been loaded up with iodine and people were getting a bit of iodine toxicity from that. Generally, it would be from dietary sources. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were taking too much of an iodine supplement. You know, back in the... um, early early years 70s or 80s you know the government was recommending eating iodized salt because most people were low in iodine so to go over you've got to put a pretty big effort into it um you can get benign tumors of the thyroid as well that can cause increased thyroid hormone production and interestingly there's a link between overuse of antibiotics and thyroid overactivity as well but generally it's graves disease is the major cause of that which is again autoimmune so if we if we think we may have um, you know Graves' disease, hyperthyroidism, what are some of the things that we should do? Some of the steps to to, to sort of have a look at it. Well, look, always always getting tested. Have a look at see a GP or see a naturopath. Get your thyroid tested. Um, don't just do TSH. Will give you an idea if you've got an overactive thyroid. But then you need your T three and T four. And I'd often recommend if you're suspicious, get your thyroid antibodies done at the same time, and that gives you all the information you need. Interestingly, oftentimes people at risk of Graves' disease often can have other autoimmune conditions as well. So they've found a higher instance of people with Graves' disease get triggered if they've also got vitiligo. You know vitiligo, like that skin pigment, autoimmune skin pigment condition where the immune system's attacking the melanocytes in the skin, causing patches of whiteness. I think that's what Michael Jackson had. Um, People with rheumatoid arthritis as well 
often a higher risk of graves is what they've found and you know any and, and even lupus as well so yeah can be a bit of a pre pre risk factor and it does seem to run in families a bit with that as well we are back with health and well-being. Peter Mullen, hypothyroidism. Uh, if we find that we are in that situation where that is uh, something we have, what are the things we should be looking at? I'm guessing we're going to start with diet. Um, look, a whole host of things. Um, always we look at diet. Uh, and, you know, once you work out you've got an overactive thyroid. And what, what seems to happen is that the general rule of thumb is doctors will put you onto a medication to try and suppress that thyroid function. And they start off on a fairly decent dose and then they wean you off over a period of time. And hopefully for a certain percentage of people, they'll come off that medication and the thyroid will stay good. And they might never have an, a flare-up again. And um, this is where herbs and natural medicines come in really good as well. Um, some of the nutrients you use, particularly herbs, there's a herb called bugleweed and lemon balm. And both of these herbs I use or naturopaths use in a herb mix to treat overactive th- thyroid um, quite successfully. So... Uh, and that's been my experience. You can treat an overactive thyroid between a combination of between the doctor's drugs and our stuff or whatever you want to do, but you can get a good result with that. So anyone listening, there's plenty that you can do. So dietary-wise, um, avoiding the stimulants, caffeine and alcohol while you're working on getting your thyroid under control, cutting out sugar, other refined foods. Um, sugar definitely places an undue stress on your thyroid and adrenals. Um, making sure you're getting plenty of good quality protein but not overdoing it, lots of high plant-based diet, lots of vegetables, only two pieces of fruit a day maybe, and um, lots of salad-type foods as well. Once you've got your diet sort of sorted out there, uh, some other changes we could be making? Yep, absolutely. So lifestyle-wise, again, always working on ways to um, reduce your stress. Um, Warm bath, going for a walk, getting a massage, Um, Because one of the things with overactive thyroid, because the thyroid hormone revs everything up, it can really increase straight away you've got an elevated stress response. So there's a lot of great herbs you can take to really help calm that down. Valerian, drinking chamomile tea. Um, I'd always recommend someone with an overactive thyroid also be taking magnesium because that can help just calm the system a little bit, calm the farm a little bit um, as well. Uh, and exercise, walking, getting out in nature. Um, as I said, the thyroid calming herbs work really well. Um, and yeah, and just getting getting a handle on the the all of those stress inputs as well, making sure your sleep's good quality as well. But natural medicines can really help um, in cases like an overactive thyroid. So. So, so lots of just good health things to do anyway, even beyond the the thyroid. Yeah, herbs are stuff. kind. Of, herbs are kind of the secret secret recipe for us to really help with thyroid function, and that's with the underactive thyroid or an overactive thyroid as well. So, herbs can be quite amazing. They're not so secret 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 weapons. Not now. Not now. <laughs> Shh, told people, Peter. Shh, they don't need you, mate. As always, a great program. We've had a look at thyroid this week. Next week, uh, according to the notes, um, PCOS. Is that what we're uh, doing this week? Yeah, could be PCOS, could oh, be fertility. Could be anything. Actually, Sleep. PCOS is fascinating how much an increase we're seeing. And the other, just a quick thing, um, we had a call there. Someone didn't come through. Sue from Nelson Bay, husband on antibiotics to treat a lung infection. And definitely I would recommend getting onto a really good quality probiotic always. Whenever anyone takes antibiotics, always recommend a probiotic. And interestingly, one of the big things at the seminar this weekend always is around gut health and this whole new understanding of the microbiome. But 
what um what a really key point that came through for me is when we're eating healthy foods so this is for sue as well things like um fermented food your sauerkraut your kimchi um kombucha all of those things can help encourage a healthy gut microbiome but always after antibiotics i take a probiotic but when we eat healthy food particularly the fiber that feed those good bacteria those bacteria then produce a heap of metabolites that actually then enter the bloodstream and exert anti-inflammatory effects, immune-enhancing effects. So the chemicals those bugs produce is totally dependent on the food we feed them as to whether we're anti, whether we've got less inflammation or more inflammation. So it's such an exciting area. We're back to your uh, core thing all over again. It's all in the gut. All thank about the gut, Mark. Thank you very much, Peter. We've got a program next Tuesday. Thank you, Mark. For health and well-being, right here at 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.